Welcome to the Techmo Podcast, where we talk all things tech and startup in the Denton community. My name is Kyle Taylor. And I'm David Bruno. Let's get started. Welcome to the Techno Podcast, where we talk all things tech startup here in the Denton community. And today we're sitting here with Abdullah, Abd, oh my gosh, Abdurrahman Habib. Is that how you say it? That's right. Yeah. We just call you Habib, though. It's That's right. Much shorter. Uh, Habib is the is a resor- researcher and teaching fellow at University of North Texas, and also does innovation work for the city of Denton. Uh, so thanks for being here, Habib. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so David. You know what to do. Yeah, so normal first question. How did you get to Denton? Or why did you choose Denton? Or whatever you find more interesting. I think Denton chose me, not not the vice versa. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> so um, to make it short, um, we applied for a scholarship back home in Saudi Arabia. And um, we wanted to come to the States. My main pick university was uh, uh, Tampa, Florida. In Tampa, Florida. And I was... Happy to go there, but we didn't get an acceptance. So we applied only for two universities. And UNT attended or uh, exhibited in in a high education um, exhibition back home. And we just met them there. And I still meet the people I met that day. (laughs) And they they said, yeah, why don't you apply? It's a nice place. My criteria to, to go out of my city, I want a smaller city that does not have the commuting I used to have. So I used to drive between hour and a half to three hours every day. That's Whoa. my commuting um, time. And I was happy with it. I just put my audiobooks and yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> but still, I would love to to live in a not traffic issued brought <laughs> yeah so um so we applied and we got an acceptance um and we came here so what what were you applying for at unt so initially actually my wife is the one that wanted to continue her master program and believe it or not i'm i was totally not into continuing my education <laughs> i was yeah not my thing but then opportunity came in and i was yeah if opportunity is here why not I, i'll take it so um so I applied for engineering management at the uh, College of Engineering, um, and I did my master there. I graduated in 2013. Um, then also, I'm not into doing PhD. No, no, that's not, not my thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> but um, during my um, during different roles I, I worked before, I, I like research and development, and I thought PhD is one of the main, um, let's say doors to research and development. And I, I thought if I'm doing, if I have a chance to continue, I might be able to do my um, research and development dream, I guess. So that's why I was, okay, only one program at UNT was appealing to me, which is the information science at that time. And I was, I will apply to this program in the last day because I don't want to get this. <laughs> and uh, my parents, of course, are very supportive. They want me to continue. They want me to get the PhD, then come back. And I was, I don't think I want to do this. So I applied to the to the program in the last day at about afternoon. I came there 
early in the morning and I said, I have everything. This is my stuff. What do you need from me <laughs> other than this? And of course, I've been here. I know the school very well. So I graduated from there. So it was easy to get uh, the reference letters and stuff. Uh, and I got accepted and I was, mm -hmm, now I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so we, I think I first met you when you started coming to our little dock uh, meetups, I think. Before uh, that. Before that. When did we meet before that? With Nancy in the uh, innovation uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. greenhouse. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, like, probably regular inter interactions with you yes. have been yeah, over coffee. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what, do you remember when the first time you came to Little Doc or why you came to it? Hmm. I think I remember mainly, um, yes, it was in... Uh, what was the old coffee shop that we used Banter. to? Uh, Banter, yeah. yes. Uh -huh. It was there. I um, I attended, I think, one of the early ones. Then I attended two more before we, we moved to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the main meeting that got me um, interested with Tickmill was um, way before that. So in 2014, we have the meeting with the city about um, free wireless and the co-working space and um, because I was working with Nancy at that time, mm -hmm. um, I was a, a board, a student board member, and uh, I was okay. Let's let's do that. And I have been in organizing some of the stuff for the meeting. Then I attended the meeting, and I was, wow, this city is, is different. Because um, in a larger city, um, usually it's not easy to bring everybody together, or they come, city officials, uh, Brian and and Melissa and others, and. Um, even Kevin at that time, I'm not sure if he if he was in the city council at that time, came and asked, what do you want as a tech group or as a tech, I think, community? And we we pitched so many ideas at that time, <laughs> mainly the co-working space and, and um, free internet, open, open portal, open data portal. And um, now we are here. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so, um, and I know that through some of our convert, like some of the, our little doc events, um, we have talked about open data and city, uh, you know, technology innovation and things like that over the course of the years. And I think the biggest one that probably brought the most people t together was the uh, renewable Denton talk. Um, well, before that, it was the what do we call it? Um, the Bloomberg. The Bloomberg. Right? I so think what works one cities. of the yeah. So we had a what works cities. Um, event or little doc where we had Catherine from mm -hmm. gov city government excellence program or whatever over uh, in Baltimore. I think yes. that's where she is. And um, she came down and so we said, Hey, anyone who's interested in open data or open government, um, you know, come talk to us because we have, we're in this program now and we want to hear your ideas. And, and I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, I guess what, what drew you to, kind of this open data or like open government and like city innovation concept to begin with? Um, I'll, I'll step back a bit. Um, I think Tickmill have an instrumental um, influence with uh, me choosing um, to work with open data and smart city. Um, so I met Jesse mainly from uh, Little Docs. And of course I met many others as well, but um, at that time, I wanted to do um, different papers or research on on tracking 
and talking about wearables, tracking wearables, but I didn't have the right idea. And I, I, I heard from Jesse talking about his project at that time. I think he was planning to do it on the in the library. I was, wow, that's, that's very, I like this. I want to do <laughs> very similar stuff. So I did a paper on um, public spaces tracking and um, with, with his support. And then I, I got into the wearables and I tried to put it in a, in a bigger frame together. That got me into open data. And of course I attended the events before, but didn't have the, maybe the, the big picture of, of making this uh, serious. And during the second event, the open, uh, yeah, the second open data uh, day, I invited uh, Dr. Victor Bribetok to come uh, and make a, a speech at, at that event. Um, and uh, I think he likes that what we are doing. And he, um, he asked me, why are you doing this? I was, yeah, that's for fun. <laughs> of course, that has nothing to do with, with the school at that time, or I didn't even did any papers related to it. Whenever they ask for papers, I, I do something different. <laughs> um, so he said, you can make this as your uh, dissertation and you can make it, you can focus all your work on this since you like it and, and you enjoy doing it. And I was, are you serious? And he was, yeah, of course, let's, let's get together. So um, we sat together afterward and he explained that this is doable and you can do it. I was under an impression this is very practical. Though one of my goals for the PhD, I will not do theoretical stuff, I, period. Theoretical is not my thing. I, maybe I'm not that imaginative. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wanted to do more practical. I thought my PhD should lead me to my next business. That's what I wanted to do. And I presented this in all the meetings we have for the program and everybody will give me, okay. I don't think you're in the right place, but yes. <laughs> um, so this put it together and I got more excited about the open data than we, um, we worked together with Jesse on, uh, on hosting the other event through um, my student organization, the Association of Information Science and Technology. Um, and we got the second, I think third and now the fourth one, we worked together also in, uh, in organizing that event. So it was a rewarding process, and that all came or started with um, Tikmel. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what what year was it? You invited me to come talk at one of your winter summits. Yes, thing. that the, was um, 2015. Uh, uh, late, late 15. Yes, December 2015. Yeah. Or it was January. Sorry, yeah, January so, 2016. And so that was your first one that you had put on. Is that correct? Yes, that was our first uh, event that we put on. Um, and I tried to show also in the department that those those things are available. Let's let's work maybe more on open data. Let's let's explore this area. It's new. I know it's not not many people are doing it anyhow. So Let's uh, let's put our effort, and they were very supportive. I think um, they supported our events. Whatever events I put together, they were usually the main sponsor. They always uh, advertise our stuff. They always financially support uh, the association, and uh, this makes it really happen. Without their support, usually it will be a, a more struggle. People will not maybe show up, and we will not have this uh, turnout. But it was really great. Uh, <laughs> the department, I think, benefited from seeing this area, which they did not do research in before. Mm -hmm. And till now, nobody does except me. But I think it's an area that they are interested in exploring. And with the time now between last year till today, 
we have classes now adapting our um, our data and our um, assignments, changing the assignments to the things that we are doing. So this is pretty cool. So for the purpose of, uh, for the listeners, um, this, we kind of had like an open data journey in Denton. And I think it, most of it started with the What Works Cities uh, program by Bloomberg, which um, I'm trying to see like when we started. I want to say- We got it on November, November 2015. Yeah. Yes. The second pack. Yeah, so we were in the second group, um, and then I, after we got inside of that, we uh, and before that we had done a presentation in front of the city council. I had pitched this open data portal um, like a couple months before, and then or actually I think it was a year before, and then we kind of started an open data group, an mm-hmm. open Denton group, um, and then we were like, hey, let's make this a real thing, and so we came up with. Uh, listen Denton, which was a campaign where yes. we were able to listen to all the citizens, like what the problems were and what their their <laughs> their proposed solutions were. And uh, I think the number one problem people were complaining was parking, parking yes. uh, of course, downtown. Uh, and so we took the the top six most commented problems, um, found solutions, presented them to city council, and then. I think Kevin or Jesse or maybe Patrick, someone wrote up. The three of them, yes. Yeah, they wrote up the proposal, then we got in the program. And then after that, I thought <clears throat> I thought it was really cool that uh, once we got in, we kind of had a reason to continue with open data and innovation and with the city. And it's really cool being in a city where you can invite the, or actually, I don't even think I invited her. It was just an open invitation. But Melissa Kraft, who's mm-hmm. the CTO of Denton, showed up. And she was like, I'm listening. <laughs> she, she's, she's very instrumental. She's always there. Um, whatever events we have that I wouldn't, ta- I wouldn't say require her at- attendance or she was with us. And just like a normal attendance, she's, she's here, she's listening. Also, Brian Langley is, is, um, is also overseeing this all the time. He mm-hmm. attended with us a couple of times. I was, wow, this is, this is um, quite interesting because he's the assistant city manager. And um, this support is very important. Uh, it drives us to put more effort. It shows us that, oh, people are perceiving this very well, so we can add more, we can improve it. And whenever we said something, like the co-working space, which started a long time ago, <laughs> it, it, it is there, they're working on it. Things take time, but um, yeah. you can see it after a while. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it works really well in Denton because there's an active community who is trying to help, um, you know, push this, uh, I don't know, change forward or, or push this program forward. And, uh, you know, cities are often pressured, not pressured, but maybe publicly pressured to be more transparent about their policies and their data and the things they collect and uh, reports they give out. Um, and so Denton has kind of taken that to heart a little bit. And uh, I think it, it helps when you also have a community input and people active in the community who are all who are also trying to work towards this, and so it's kind of a yes. circular pattern where it's like we help you, you help us. Like this is great for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you know, fast forward a year, and we have an open data portal that's live, you know, and and anyone can go there and look at data collected by the city, and and then I think they took that a step further by generating you know these reports that anyone can go look at. The and Bloomberg, look, yes, the yeah. Network Cities, yeah. So, I mean. In that process, somehow you jumped into the middle to help the city with this, and it wasn't you. It wasn't really like you jumped in. It's like you kept asking and nudging, and then they were like, "Okay, just just come on, get like, something." 
Yeah, I, 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 since um, 2014, our basic meeting about the co-working space, the free internet, I, I thought this is very exciting. Maybe I, I've been working in e-government for years, so this is one of the things that I like. Yeah, and I, I draw usually toward uh, e-government, mobile government since long, but once I have that meeting, I, I was, okay, maybe I can send them emails about um, some ideas we can implement. And I kept sending them, Melissa, speci especially emails about, what do you think about this? Can we do this here in Denton? And, um, and later in 2015, once we have What Worked Cities, I think that helped formalize um, different um, understanding from even the city, the city council, about about the the tech communities and what we are doing and there is funding coming in there is this um, national support coming to us because of this work I think and and that gave it a different perspective and it, it the momentum for those type of projects is uh, is different now because of um, having the the grant though the grant wasn't money which everybody associated, okay, we can do this, we need more money, but the grant gave the support that helped people, I think, get together and work together to achieve those. So the KPIs or the, the performance indicators we see today on the website is quite phenomenal. I think it's, it is still um, a beginning, but, but it's, um, it's very interesting. Now the city, after a year of working with What Works Cities, managed to have those KPIs and available and um, the data for the KPIs are available. They put their financials mainly in a better format. Um, that that will change the communication we have with the city, I believe. Even if it's a, for a small group, it will allow you to analyze different things. It will allow you to see how do they do it um, without the need of going and knock doors and ask, hey, can I have this data set? <laughs> and then they send, you send an email, a request, then they send it to somebody and you have a month or two. Oh, I'm familiar with uh, this yeah, process. <laughs> we, we talked about this. <laughs> so it's, it's quite um, impressive to see, um, to see what um, the availability of the data and the easiness, uh, what can it do to the community, I guess. Yeah. Um, I would also like to mention to the listeners that TechMill also won an award from the city, yes. uh, from the technology services department, uh, and helping. It's it's funny because I, I think really we just we're really good at um, providing people and support around an initiative and kind of help mm -hmm. roll it forward. So, um, yeah, the city also had won multiple awards in technologies over the years. So over the past, I think, sixteen years or so. They received different awards about being the digital city. I think that they, they received that three times. Oh, wow. Yeah, we retweeted this. I think this year they got the, the third. Uh, I think they are the third. They, they won different things in there, and they work on different with different organizations um, on evaluating and supporting their um, IT infrastructure, improving different things. And I was, you don't hear about this. <laughs> um, and if you're in 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 and tech in general, I think this is very interesting because you, you can see what what this organization is providing, what do they have. If you're a student, you can you can maybe learn about this stuff is easier than if you're in a place that does not have this type of technologies. Mm -hmm. um, it will also show the, 
the maturity model of the organization. So where are they? How, how mature they are? Are they spending um, in this type of infrastructure or in this type of applications? What type of support they provide? And you will see the community is, is growing. So um, you will see more uh, professionals that works in that areas because of the investment. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what you're doing with the city right now. Is that is that cool? Yeah, sure. Okay. So so how long ago did you kind of get first get involved with doing the city consultant stuff? And then what kind of, how have you, I don't know, evolved in that role um, over the course of, I think it's been maybe a year? Less. So? It's, it's about year? Um, six months now. Okay. Um, if you deduct the contracting part <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, so we have we have a, a research project going with the city of Denton and it will be also my dissertation hopefully um, basically we are studying the smart city initiative um, looking at what can we do uh, how do we define smart city the, the main the main problem with saying smart city is it is an esoteric uh, definition <laughs> you said smart city and I'm sure if I see the bubble in, in your head different than <laughs> David. <laughs> and that's that's very um, generic. People cannot put a value to it. You cannot evaluate it easily. So what defines smart city for city of Denton? If if we want to be a smart, smarter, smart city, what, what do we do? Uh, how do we make this definition? How do you communicate this to the public? Um, so the project is, is uh, basically trying to understand what is the definition that works for us uh, based on the values also the city wants to maintain and keep and what type of technology we want to get involved in. Then it also tests the perception and understanding how many citizens or how, how the citizens perceive this. Do we want this in Denton? Do we want to, um, to implement this? Do we want to give it the support and maybe uh, the budget requirements? Uh, to do such uh, an activity. Of course, again, it's not a one thing. So we're not talking about an open data portal per se, which is one defined thing you can measure. We're talking about innovation around different areas in the city. And you look at the operation from different perspective and try to improve it using technology. Um, this this is very wide. That covers so many uh, uh, oper- operation in different departments so you need to get everybody involved you need you need to find out what do they think um, you need also to see the perception from citizens later on and acceptance do they do they want to do this do or do they want to just stay doing what they're doing and I, th- the main challenge is this is coming sooner or later if we want to be an early adapter as a city and as a community that that will be great so we can have a better, I think, outcome. And of course, it will have other um, downside, like you're you're trying different things that, that might not work. But I think celebrating what works and what did not work is very important in, in such an activity because you want to try new things, new technologies, um, and want to evaluate them and maybe implement them in the city. And for the listeners, I think we need to, to talk about what type of technology is smart city, for example, <laughs> what type of projects we are talking. So um, one of the main projects we already have is the open open data portal, 
publishing the city uh, data available in the portal. That's that's very important. Um, we also talk about including sensors in different operations. So um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, with the utility metering updates. So they updated all the meters. Um, that's very interesting update. It's not just they phase off an old uh, equipment and just put a newer one. No, that that the new equipment has um, has a communication. It's connected. So it, the utility services here next to us, I guess they they can. Um, they can change the sub- sub- subscription. They can uh, make it on and off from their disk, not even going and ask somebody to be dispatched like before. I remember when I first came here, uh, my first apartment, they, I need to come here, uh, register and do everything. Then it was, I think, Friday. So, okay, we will only uh, have the electricity available on Monday. That's, that will not be a problem anymore because they can just flip the switch from their disk, even I, I understood that even this, uh, the lady in the ser- uh, in the help desk here, she's the one flipping the switch. <laughs> to the this is very interesting. Plus, this meter provide you with a, a portal access, so you have a website where you can access your data, and we are receiving this. Um, bill every every month and seeing how many wattage do you have and how much you need to pay and all all this but you didn't have it as data sets you can play with and now this portal have i'm not sure if you've tried it you can download the past three years of your consumption and see trends for example or if you're savvy enough maybe you can compare with your uh neighbors <laughs> which is a very interesting um, um thing because there are different studies if if you for example encourage people to to compare or to look at each other's consumption that will drive the consumption down because they will see oh Kyle is is uh, is conserving energy he have a very similar house he lives just next to me and he pays half the price I'm paying that's mean I'm doing something wrong <laughs> uh, this is very interesting and I, I I remember I read an article about this in California which they did exactly the same and tried to measure a neighborhood and different neighborhoods how they react this is one of the projects we already have so those are two projects we have I think other projects like um, smart lighting uh, uh, systems where the lights is of course it will be an LED it's connected and it also have sensors. Again, going back to the sensors, they're very cheap nowadays and they can be embedded in everything. So you, sensors like you can have uh, the motion detector, which is very easy. So if there is nobody in the street, the lights will dim mm-hmm. to 30%. So you're saving about 60 to 70% of, of the lighting bill that the city is paying uh, later at night because nobody is in the street. At the same time, the street will be still lit. It's not dark. It will be still lit, and you don't see the difference. It it will dim and uh, and come on again without you feeling that it it wasn't lit before you reach that area. Um, it has also sensors. This is the basic sensor you can have, but it have environmental. That's another project we talked about for for a long time. Um, talking about the city um, city of Denton in particular, um, mm-hmm. environmental or weather. Um, Dirty, I think it was the dirtiest city in Texas. <laughs> um, the headline from Denton Chronicle. Um, we have a theory. I'm not sure if the theory is, is right or wrong, but because of the sensor is not in the right place, we have only one sensor for the city of Denton, which is 
in the airport, mm-hmm. very close to I think um, the take uh, the takeoff area, and which is very close also to the industrial area. And you're reading one read, and that's the only thing you have. So having a project like reading, um, having more sensors, environmental sensors. Imagine that we have like ten or fifteen of them around the city, maybe even more with the light with the light bulb. It's, it's just there. It, you don't need to do anything. It's just there, and it gives the read. The reads goes together um, in a in a data set that's that aggregated, and you can do more analysis and understand even the different patterns. Is there a pattern? Is there a, an area cleaner? Is that is that theory about be, the sensor being next to the airport? accurate enough or this is Habib does not understand anything about <laughs> environmental which is I don't understand or I don't know anything about environmental to be honest but having the sensors and there it will it will become a different game ball also having public safety sensors like fire shots for example uh, public safety is a big thing in in smart cities so if you have the sensors in certain areas Whatever happens, the trigger will come. Um, you have a sensor of crash, for example, and certain uh, light bulbs where where crashes are more often. So it will it will send a message directly to the city operation or whomever responsible in there, or maybe to nine one one. And without somebody's calling, the city will be um, notified about the crash that happens, so they can dispatch somebody uh, and and see see. Um, see or help uh, the people in that area. So there is different promises with adding more sensors. Uh, that's, that's just an example, and you can do that to water utilities, you can do it um, for it. environmental is a, big, is a big deal. So we have the watershed project, I think they're doing uh, a lot of great things. We have the recycling, they're doing a lot of very smart uh, stuff in, in Denton especially, I think recycling, um, they're doing really great. They they use technologies and sensors since since long now. So m- most people don't know, but uh, actually, City Denton Waste Management is one of the. It's nationally known for their technology innovation, yes. which is crazy. Yes. I think. Um, I have two questions that kind of go together, and I don't know how much you know about this in particular, but how, you know, there there's a couple of um, either concerns with like. Are we collecting too much data, like from a personal privacy standpoint, maybe? Um, also, how does the city kind of validate or, you know, the, the upfront c- cost of, uh, you know, installing the sensors or light bulbs or things like that um, over the long term, uh, you know, for first becoming be- a better smart city? This is a great question. I think you you nailed the main thing that people are concerned about. Yes, we don't talk about privacy and security that often, but... <laughs> but we, we cities are, are great at it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But we are concerned about what's happening. Are they collecting? Let me answer personally what I think. Um, and of course, I'm not not a city employee, so <laughs> you don't take my stuff. Um, Habib disclaimer. Yes. <laughs> so I am in Facebook. I'm on Twitter as well. I'm on different social media and all my data are available in there. They know more about me. My phone tracking my steps and even my locations and he knows that I'll, or it knows that I'm here somewhere and I stayed here for this hour and all and all this detail. So I understand from a technology point of view, we don't have privacy per se, but we have the trust. I think the trust is the main thing. We trust that Apple and Microsoft 
and whomever else is, is collecting our data, they're collecting it for a reason to improve the service. And I think Google, Google and Amazon is the best example, in my opinion, because Google collects everything about us, every single thing. I don't know how much they know, but they collect so much things than I can maybe comprehend and, and think. And they don't look at you as person, but they look at you... It's, it's a customer service type of deal. So they want to give you the best, the best service you have. If you remember before Google, you can try to search and you never have the right, the right re- results because, because the result, in order to be that accurate, it needs also to understand things about you that you did not say. And that's, that's the, main, the main thing. So, so sensors and collecting data is, is a way to understand what, what do you want without asking you, can you fill a survey? Can you have five minutes to fill this? Uh, can you fill this form? I don't need to ask you all those questions. I can, I can have it from the data. But I'm not tracking Habib or Kyle per se as a person. Um, so what, whatever we think, I think movies play a big role in this. If you think Minority Report or you think <laughs> other, other movies that the tracking is going into the big brother picture is, is um, skewing things up and people are more concerned because of this. I'm not saying that cannot be done. Yes, it can be done with technology. Yes, if you have the resources, you can do it. NSA is recording everything. So if <laughs> if NSA is recording everything, why would bother? Why would you bother? Try not to to let the city, for example, or other entities re- recording other stuff. And malls today are tracking you facial recognition every single time you step into the mall. They're doing that for years. And they track your signal, you track your phone, they know your credit card information, all this, and they aggregate this. They aggregate it and put it together, which is the big data promise, and try to come up with um, patterns. They come up with classification. And that's what makes your shopping easier because they know your gender, your age, and uh, how many people like you in this city or in that area or in that mall, and what do they want and what do they like. That's why they give you better recommendation. And the results you see even online is much, much relevant to whatever you want. It's very precise to a crazy deal because sometimes because of what they're doing now, everybody's tracking. And you open your phone and you search for, let's say, um, a helmet for a motorcycle and <laughs> then the helmet just pop up in front of you all over the place. Um, I'm not saying we are trying to do the same thing in the city, but the city can also benefit from these technologies, just like other any other organization, to provide you with a better service. So the, the key is the value for you. It is the better service that you want. And without nagging on you saying, hey, can you fill the survey? Can you attend uh, the city council meeting? Can you be more active? But your data will help formalize so many decisions if they are collecting it. So having the sensors and, and, uh, and all this information, I don't think there is too much. Always there is a fine line between uh, making it useful and, and get the, the right value and maybe abuse it. But that's, that's another discussion that's mainly related to the trust. The trust is the main factor. So if you trust any companies to get your data, if you trust the phone company, AT&T is taking all, or T-Mobile is taking all your information and they know exactly your location and everything. It has some values in different cases, like 
in criminal cases, they use the phones. And I, I think we are all familiar with different cases about we need to crack the phone and we need to see what happened, what type of calls. They already do that. They already does this when, whenever they need it. So the main promise with the smart city is to put this similar sort of data into, into your benefit and giving you more, giving you more value and more better services for the things you want. Yeah, and even in this case, it's not, I mean, the city's not going to try and collect data to sell you something. They're yeah. not going to come knocking door to door, hey, would you like a tree trimming service? <laughs> <laughs> which is which is very interesting because other organizations does totally the opposite. They collect your data just mainly to sell you something. Right, yeah. Which is funny because I wish they would collect my data and tell me about things like have, I have access for free in the city. For example, yes. I bought a house and uh, in the garage, the previous owners left like a ton of paint cans. So it was like paint cans and like varnish and like deck stain and stuff like that. And I was like, the heck do I, I, I can't just throw it away. And so turns yeah. out the city has a home okay. collection uh, service for free and they will pick up 10 gallons of chemicals every week uh, for as long as you need it. Yes. And that's what I did for four weeks. <laughs> there is a ton of services that the city provide. Um, it's not advertised. I, I think one of the main promises also for a smart city with having having the data and things, communication gets better. So engagement becomes easier and better because we know what you want. We can read your feeds and, and your, not personal information, but we can read some information about you and the area and things. Then we can provide you with recommendations better than the results you get without having any personal information. Mm-hmm. Again, think Google and before. Alta, 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 I think. What Vista. was that? Yeah. Alta Vista. Alta Vista, for example. <laughs> you, you get, you get, <laughs> I said crappy results somehow because the data was not collected and it was not aggregated. Um, so I think that's a good promise and I, I believe it will improve the quality of life, which is a very difficult thing to measure. But whatever project they do, like talking about uh, solid waste, for example, you don't think about them because they collect it every week and they're doing a very good job. And of course, you don't care. I shouldn't say you don't care, but you don't think about what do they do with the waste because you trust that they are professional, they know what they're doing and they're doing whatever best for the city interest. And that's exactly what, what they're doing. So they employ technology in different aspects. They even do GPS read for the waste area because they know they know how much waste they they dicked in there or well, that's that's crazy you didn't ask for this nobody nobody maybe um, knows this not nobody very few people know those details but with with having more data i think people will get more informed and they will use the services in a better way now you got you get to know about the paint collection i think by accident or mm-hmm. asking somebody yep. <laughs> maybe in a smarter city, you didn't need to do this because we will also be part of of reading your feeds and the search. Then, then the cookies will will do it works, and we will pop up something for you. Maybe the city will be also a, a good customer for Google and other services because we can benefit and improve the the services we provide to the, to our citizens. Mm-hmm. So, so the second part of that, I mean, you know, we we can do all these things, but how does the city? justify the cost to, to implement certain, at least in increments, like how do we do that? That's that's a very 
good question because everybody asks the same thing. Okay, there is a value for this. And I think what's more interesting now, it's not a Denton issue or it's not a problem that only... Actually, Denton does not face that much of problems like New York. So New York was announced to be the smartest city in the world for 2016 or 17. That was, I think, last month. Um, And they are doing a lot in order to improve their services and and add all those technologies and sensors around to improve the services. And they did crazy projects in some cases, very, very awkward in, in other cases, because they want to test how can we benefit from this? What type of sensors we can do so the um, uh, the drainage does not flood out and uh, we know about it directly so we get informed and we know we need to have those sensors so the city can be informed about all this um, um, environmental issues. Now, to support this, it's always a good question, who will pay for this? And I think many organizations, especially um, talking about sub- vendors and suppliers who are selling these technologies, are well aware of the, the, the problems they're facing. So they come up with different financing solutions. So the city does not, to, does not need to pay upfront for many of those technology improvement because it's difficult to do this. And in order to do this, going to the bond process, it will take for it will take a long time before even they acquire the technology at which they pitched a while ago. And by doing so, um, it will be outdated maybe. Technology changed really fast, you know this. Mm-hmm. So, so they are financing the projects for the city and giving them the chance to, um, to have the technologies in advance with their financing program. So instead of the city is financing, now now the suppliers are financing. Plus, let's think about the income that can come from this. Okay, let's, let me give you an example. If I will ask you um, one of the services you want to have, what is one of the services you want to have from the city of Denton today that you're pay, willing to pay even extra amount to get it? Um, I don't like having to always log into my quick pay to like pay it like through the browser. For example, let's say this is a software one, which is easier, but let's say if I let you watch, um, an ads on the city website, like any other website, almost there is almost not all websites have ads. Mm -hmm. So if I let you watch ads to sponsor this and do the software you want, are you willing to, to accept that? I'll watch a five-second ad. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I will watch it. I will watch even a minute ad if the, the service will be provided for me for free. <laughs> and I think this model has been there for different businesses, so they test different things. And there is all this literature behind uh, to support this this ideas. But people are willing to watch ad. They're willing to say um, um, financing or leveraging usage data. So, for example, all websites use use all the analytics for the website in order to understand their customers. So we we can do similar stuff to understand how to improve the the service, and that will provide monetary value to improve the service. It's not just watching ads. So ads is one thing, then utilizing the data. So like let's think about the traffic. Google is using a lot of free services from different uh, organizations. 
and they're adding their own algorithm and stuff for the maps, for example. But they'll also pay for certain things. Maybe cities later on can monetize this type of usage data and can can help if they provide it in in real time, if they provide it with a certain SLAs or a service level agreement, they will they will monetize this. So so you receive as an end consumer, you receive that Google Maps can see exact traffic in your in your area and reroute you in a better uh, in a better to a better route. And that happened in the background that they're purchasing data from the cities about the traffic and purchasing data from the OT about also the patterns and, and everything they have, which is already a model that's been discovered in, in different areas. So city will, will put sensors and stuff then can monetize not only advertisement, also the usage of data. And again, this is, I understand privacy again, so they're not tracking you, but they're, they're tracking how many people pass in that street, how many cars are stopped and waiting in line for this signal light. It's not it's not private, but the data is available right now. But nobody's collecting it together, putting it in 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 a server that can be can be approached by uh, by developers and and having the the information available. I don't want to go to technical terms, but they they can provide this information for a fee, and that will provide an income to the city. So there is also this understanding of smart city can also provide income. The last one is um, the saving based on the efficiency improvement we did. So assuming what is the saving for using alternative energy today for city of Denton? Uh, again, it's the price that they were paying with, with I think, the gas or, or the uh, other, uh, other method. There is a value for that saving. So the saving in most of the cases will outweigh the investment, the initial investment you're doing, or it will put it in a plan to be outweighed in, let's say, five years, 10 years. I think it's, in most of the cases, it's even less. I read an article about Barcelona, which is one of the smartest city, uh, again, they won, I think, last year before uh, New York. They have, I think, $34 million uh, in saving for one of their projects. Only one of their projects. And that's an annual saving they have. So every year they saved from their budget, which they used to allocate for certain, uh, I think that was in transportation. They, they um, saved $34 million that they don't need to spend anymore because of what, they, what technology they add. Right. So the saving is, is one of the m- main thing. Then you go to monetizing, and that's, that's another thing that is coming. It's not, it's not available today, maybe not all the cities, but it is um, coming our way. That's cool. I, I have a, a story plot twist, so or question. Do you have anything else? Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions up to this point? Yeah, he gave me this look. Every David's pretty that. silent today. <laughs> I also know David has a lot of comments on uh, analytics and data collection. We don't need to get into that. <laughs> we, we don't have time for that, do we? We've, we've had this conversation at, at Little Doc before, so yes. we, we don't need to have it right and, here. And we just, didn't reach any, yeah. any place after no. that. <laughs> we agreed to disagree, I believe. <laughs> so I, uh, I guess another question, or one of my, my last questions I guess I have, is what do you think you can ask someone in the community to do to get more involved in open data? Or, or even just like, you know, advancing city technology services as a whole. Like what can a citizen do to make technology better in the city? 
Very good question. Um, I think you're writing these down, right, for your <laughs> for your dissertation. <laughs> I think that's a very interesting um, um, point because I don't think there is one way of doing it. Um, let me think about citizens like students, for example. They are different than citizens in um, in a senior living. They are different than professional. Um, who, who lives in Denton and work in Denton. They're also somewhat different than professionals who live in Denton but work elsewhere or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So I think each group have their own um, requirements or their own needs and they have their own um, way of providing the support. I think what I have seen from Denton working on this project and, and with, with Tikmil as well is the sense of, of pride of supporting the city and working on something bigger than yourself and, and trying to provide uh, to your community is really big here. So I believe many people will try, they are already trying. So David is wearing the Keep Denton Beautiful t-shirt. <laughs> people are trying their best to do, think, uh, think about this. Um, I think we do very similar stuff to Keep Denton Beautiful, but ours are not that physical. So we're not asking you to collect trash per saying or help in a beautification uh, project, but we are asking you to help in beautification of the data to be more useful. Collect internet trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more, more technology. So if, if you're technology savvy, I think, I think there is different things you can do, like in supporting, attending, and even, even be active and see what, what do we have. If you are not a tech savvy, that does not mean you are not involved. I think it is, it is a learning curve for us as well. Uh, we are we are learning, you are learning in there, uh, and you can learn more efficient way of doing your business. Businesses can generate tremendous um, value from smart city, by the way, because think about planning for your uh, for your shop. Do you know how many people pass the streets next to you? Or how many people, Uniball uh, promise usually, oh, 50,000 people pass from this place. But that's only in certain areas. And that's not accurate. And it's all, all just speculation. Today, you can have an accurate uh, number of people passing your street. How many people? So how many people you're attracting from the people passing? Do you want to keep to attract people in early morning because you want to improve the business at that time or maybe afternoon or what is your peak time? How do you manage the parking area? All this available information for you, it means a lot if you want to use them. And if you don't know how to use them, I think it's, it's a good chance to get involved and try to learn what in it for you in open data or in, in any other smart city project because I'm sure there is a lot of value you can find for everybody, there are cities that are using sensors for parks. Even parks and recreation are using tremendous amount of sensors nowadays because now you cannot tell how many people in South Lake Park. Nobody knows. There is maybe the parking is full, and I've been there multiple times and I couldn't find the parking. But if you have sensors, the city will be able to know how many people in there, how many people are running. I can tell. If I have a sensor, I can tell. Sensors are cheap. We're talking about less than a dollar sometimes or less than five dollars. Whatever, whatever type of sensor you want and you just stick them to the, the light 
pole and, and you can get the data if you're connected and if the city provide the connection requirement uh, required you can get all this information then you can plan your things in a much better way again that's quality of living better services so um so there is a big promise for everybody to get engaged i think it will improve the communication tremendously between city and citizens in different areas mm-hmm. even in the court and with the police you you get you get more information you can utilize it and of course some people can uh, can argue that you can uh, you can abuse this type of information <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean anything. <laughs> no <laughs> argument necessary. I, I think it's clear. Uh, so we only have a few minutes left. Um, I feel like almost that last question probably would have answered it, but you, you can take you can it's take different, it away. though. This yeah, is a different one. Yeah, so final question. Sure. What advice would you give to someone starting out in the industry or still in school to get where you are today? Come on, attend Tikmil uh, events. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I think... Don't sit at home, do online stuff every day. So I work on HR for a while, and I do recruitment as well. And one of the main um, challenges I, I, I see every every day, and I still receive students every day asking about how do you get the job in this area. I think go out and work and try to get people. Networking is the main thing. For me, networking is the main way to get involved and, and get to know things. So try to network, go meetups, search for whatever interests you, um, and you will find that so many things that you can do, especially nowadays, it, it used to be more difficult before. You need to know somebody who knows the group, who introduce you to the group. It, this barrier is not there anymore. So you can, you can, um, you can find the stuff that interests you just you need to also nudge yourself a bit and go leave the couch and or maybe the desk and stop doing online stuff and try to meet people you can tweet about things you can you can talk about facebook and and facebook about different things but if you don't meet other groups and other people who are involved and i, I should say the city is very open to to any recommendations and any projects you think but they want to see people behind this so if you have if you want to do something you need to try to do a collective work and you need to bring it to the table you need to be more positive and showing how this can work or how this can help and if you have the support required i think cities will will do whatever it takes to to make it happen because that's what what they're doing that's why they are here and from what i've seen this is very very open, very uh, fluid process. There is difficulties of finding, oh, where do you find this group? How do you apply to this? I should say this is a challenge right now, but with the time, with more people engaged, especially students, um, you can do projects online and you can you can collect data online and do marketing plans also online. But if you get into the street and getting to know people meet more local businesses, it's a different game. And I, that's one of the things that makes West Oak, for example, attractive to many of us because we get involved on West Oaks in, um, in classes at UNT when they wanted to do their marketing plan for two classes, uh, did, did this uh, project for them. And then when you see the, the coffee shop later on or the retail shop, you get more excited. This is something I worked on before. And you, get, you feel the engagement even though you don't know the owner. 
<laughs> and you you have nothing i think uh monetary between you and them but there is this sense of feeling and belonging between whatever you you did because it's personal it's it you get more interaction and the things that you just google online and send by emails and that's all so for students especially i think thinking about projects that you do with the city i i i have this vision of um adding a big number of projects for UNT and TWU that works on city initiatives. So instead of just doing, uh, for each class, and instead of just doing a regular a regular project, and we do, all, all classes has projects, all classes has assignment. If we manage to increase this number of classes that do projects, actual projects for the city, there will be a tremendous value and um, for the cities, for the employees, for the university, and for, for uh, students because this is something you can talk about in interviews. I can tell you exactly what I did and you, this place is open today and you can go and see it. This was in our marketing plan in this class and with Dr. So-and-so. So there is a lot of value of just putting yourself out and try to meet people and talk about And I think Dentonites are doing this already. So, <laughs> so we just need to increase the amount and I think talk about different topics, even controversial ones. Oh, oh, didn't people are good at doing that. <laughs> uh, cool. Anything else, David? No. no? Uh, how could people contact you if they want to reach you outside of the podcast? I'm available at, um, at Twitter. I think ABT Habib, it's A-B-I-B. Uh, and um, also that's the same email, ABT at gmail.com. I'm also available in information science department all the time. You can, uh, you can find me there uh, anytime I'm with the classes i think <laughs> and for the listeners uh if you want to get involved in more open data projects you can join the open denton group um, you can go to opendenton.com you can also go to our github page uh, github.com slash open denton and we have some repos people can work on in there and we have some projects and uh the second let's see it's not like the every other tuesday it's Every other other Tuesday, we do Open Hack. Uh, on, it's the second APIs of the month, um, so you can bring your laptop to that and work on some more open stuff there. Sure, cool. All right, I think that's it for today. Thanks, Sabib. This was really great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really privileged to be here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, once again, this is the Techmo Podcast. Uh, we do this every two weeks. We uh, talk all things tech startup in the Denton community. Um, like and subscribe and things. Bye. Bye. Any other ground rules? Uh, Keep the mic in front of your mouth and try to refrain from cursing. (laughs) (laughs) Try to keep it family friendly. I don't think I've ever heard Habib curse. I don't know. I never have, but just like to throw it out there so you don't ask in the middle and say it. I'll be I would be nice and quiet <laughs> I'm an international student so I'm, uh, I'm doing this. you keep it for locals <laughs>